All right. I did forget to introduce one uh, first-time visitor, kind of first-time visitor, and that's Alice. So uh, first time we've all got to see her anyway, and so congratulations to the Turners on the new baby. Exciting about that. But John chapter 14 is where we are at this morning, and I want you to notice what it says in verse 15. It says, If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And what I want to preach about today is what the Holy Spirit brought in the New Testament. Because something that people often teach is, is that the Holy Spirit didn't start indwelling saved people until after Pentecost. Now, if you were to ask me my position on that, you know, I would say I can't completely answer that question with a simple yes or no without actually causing some confusion. And, and so when we start talking about this, a debate ends up taking place where you'll have one crowd where they will show countless examples from the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit doing a work in a believer. We have several examples just in the Gospels where you have uh, Simon, the high priest, that had, was, you know, had the Holy Ghost. You have John the Baptist full of the Holy Ghost. There's several people that are named that have the Holy Ghost. In them, And so some people will say they had the Holy Ghost just like we did in the Old Testament. But then when you go to John 14, 15, and 16, we see Jesus talking about something that's coming with the Holy Ghost and how he's going to send this comforter as if there was something that was going to come later that was not there before. And so uh, it's important that we understand exactly what's being talked about here because we don't want to have any confusion. And so... Um, in Acts chapter 1, we see it says in verse 6, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto him, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So here... Jesus, even after his resurrection, he's talking about something that's still to come with the Holy Ghost. And he specifically talks about a power that's going to come. So without a doubt, the Holy Spirit was doing a work in the life of believers you know, before Pentecost. And without a doubt, something changed after Pentecost. So what we should talk about when people ask these questions about whether or not Old Testament saints had the Holy Spirit and things like that, what we should be asking is what changed after Pentecost? What exact, or what exactly did the Holy Spirit bring in the New Testament? And I believe this is a very important subject. And I think another, this is another reason it's so important to preach the Old Testament and to teach the Old Testament. If we don't understand all these things that the Old Testament talks about, from the law that I get, we're not under, we're not going to understand the significance of some things that are very New Testament, like the Holy Ghost, like the empowering of the Holy Ghost. And it's in order for us to fully grasp these things, and especially to appreciate these things, we have to be familiar with how things were in the Old Testament. And a lot of these things just aren't being taught today, and so people get really confused on this subject. And so, the first thing that I believe the Holy Spirit brought at Pentecost something that the Holy Spirit gave the believer 
that they did not have before Pentecost is he brought an understanding of the scriptures that they did not have before. And, and we're going to get a lot of our, our examples of this. While we could go a lot of places in the Bible, we're mainly going to stay in John 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus is talking about this comforter that's going to come, something that they were waiting for. And so notice what it says in John 14 and verse 21. It says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? So how are, how are we going to know something that the world is not going to know? He doesn't understand that. Okay, now, is a, is a verse popping in anybody's mind when you think, how, how can we know things that the world doesn't know? What, what verse are y'all thinking of? Good. Right. The one about the, there's some things that the natural man can't receive. Right? Now we get that. You know why? Because that's a very New Testament concept. You know why? Because that was something that came with the Holy Spirit. Where now there are spiritual truths. We're going to go to the scriptures in a little bit that we get, that we understand that even saved people did not understand in the Old Testament. Where, where did that come from? Where did this new understanding of Old Testament scriptures come from? It came from the Holy Spirit. And so that's why there's a lot of things that we can get that other people can't get. That's a new concept, folks. That's something that they didn't get back in the Old Testament. But when God gave the Holy Spirit and He indwells these believers and He, he empowers the believers, He has given them the ability to understand spiritual truths that they were not able to understand before. And that's a very important thing that we've got to get a hold of. And so, and so Judas, not Iscariot, the other Judas, he's just like, how is that going to work? How are you going to reveal things to us, but not to the world? From the Comforter, from the Holy Spirit. So verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if a man love me and will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and he will come unto him and make our abode with him. Well, how does he make our abode with him? How does he abide with us? He dwells inside us, doesn't He? And it says, um, He that loveth Me not keepeth not My sayings, and the world, word which ye hear is not Mine, but the Father's which sent Me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So right there, we see that that's one of the things that's going to come with the Holy Ghost. When we have the Holy Ghost inside us, He gives us an understanding of things, an understanding that the world does not have. We have an understanding, and there's a lot of examples we can go to in the Scriptures. We have an understanding of many things from the Old Testament that even the prophets didn't understand. And you say, well, did the prophets not have the Holy Ghost? Well, of course, the Holy Ghost was doing a work in their life. They were, I mean, it was the Holy Ghost that showed these men what to say. The Bible tells us that uh, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, without a doubt, performed a function in believers in the Old Testament, performed a function with the prophets as they wrote down the Scriptures. But you know what? He did not give them an understanding like He has given to us today. We have, we have an understanding of 
on a level that they didn't have. We understand things. You know, there were things that they desired to understand that they looked into and these things were hidden from them, but they've been revealed to us. That was something that came at Pentecost. It's something that came with the Holy Ghost. And so because we've always had it as believers, we take these things for granted. But imagine what that would have been like for the apostles who had believed many of these things, who believed the Scriptures to the best of their ability before Pentecost, but notice how you know, people will often bring up too in the dispensational world is they'll, they'll show all the things that the apostles didn't understand in the Gospels. Like, you know, they didn't understand death, burial, and resurrection. They didn't understand this. They didn't understand that. Therefore, it's a brand new thing in the book of Acts in this brand new dispensation. No, it was always the same thing. It's just in the book of Acts, they got a brand new understanding of these truths. Why? Because the Holy Ghost. That was something that He brought them. And so without a doubt, there is an enlightening, you could say, that comes from the Holy Ghost that was not there before. It does not change the fact that people still had to have faith before the cross. And the Bible gives us countless examples. And people were saved by faith before the cross. They still had to have faith. It was still without works. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. But understand, they still didn't have that understanding at the level we do of the Scriptures. And we only have that not because we're any better than Abraham. I mean, good night. If we're all going to be honest, most of us in here, probably all of us in here, have significantly less faith than Abraham. But yet, we can still understand a lot of things Abraham didn't understand. Why is that? Because you have the Holy Ghost. Because God sent that comforter and He's given us an understanding of these things. And when you think about that, it just shows you how great Abraham's faith was. It, it, and it shows you how great David's faith was. And it helps me understand too why we can look at these judges that we've been studying the judges and see kind of how sorry they were. But yet, the Bible talks about them like they were great. You know why? Because even though they were at a level that does not impress us that much, they had faith and they had it without the comforter like we have today. So that really says a lot about the faith that they have. Where today, it's just expected for us to know not to marry multiple wives. It's expected for us to know to not, you know, make a vow to sacrifice our daughter if God does something. You know, we, we, we ought to, we ought to have these things down by now and it's expected we have these things down. But you know, God, He, He understood back then. So, turn to John 16 in verse 7. It says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send Him unto you. And when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on Me. Of righteousness, because I go to My Father and ye see Me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. So there's a lot you guys still don't know. And right now, you can't bear these things that I have to tell you. Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. So notice how he's telling him. 
He's going to show you all these things. In fact, he's going to show you things to come. Now, understand, there were a lot of things that even the Old Testament saints prophesied were to come. There were a lot of things that Jesus spoke about that were things to come. But then in the New Testament, we have a lot more detail on those things to come. Now, the dispensationalists will take that and say, because these are talking about completely different things. No, we have a lot more detail about the things of the Old Testament. How did they, where did they get all that detail from? The Holy Ghost. So while there was things that they understood about what was to come that were in shadows about the resurrection, they knew a lot more with the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost came. And so Paul was able to tell them about the bodily resurrection and about the new and glorified body. These are things they didn't understand before. But what dispensationalists do, they'll read that like Paul revealed this whole new event. No, he didn't. Paul gave greater detail about events that they had little understanding of. And he was able to do this because the Holy Ghost revealed these things to him, just like Jesus said. And here's something you've got to understand. Much of our New Testament, a great deal of our New Testament scriptures is just preaching from the Old Testament. But we always see that the things that were preached too, there were things that were hidden before. And, but then the Holy Ghost basically revealed those things to him. So for example, the death, burial, and resurrection. Folks, you can't read the Old Testament and not see the death, burial, and resurrection all over it. You say, well, how come they couldn't see it? They didn't have the Holy Ghost like we do. But now, we can't help but not see it. You know, And we see also another thing that is not a new thing that came with the New Testament. This was all over the Old Testament, but they just didn't understand it until the Holy Ghost revealed it. And that was the inclusion of the Gentiles into God's covenant with Israel. That was in the Old Testament. So why didn't they know about it? Why were all the apostles surprised about it? Because they didn't have the Comforter yet. But when the Comforter came, He revealed all those things to them. He revealed these truths to them. Literally every New Testament doctrine has some kind of basis in the Old Testament. And it is true that they could not see those things then, but we can see those things now because of the Holy Spirit. So it is, it is, it is wrong when dispensationalists try to act like these are like brand new truths. No, the things we learn in the New Testament are truths that have always been true. They were just hidden in the past. And then the Holy Spirit revealed these things to us. First Corinthians 2 that we refer to says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that we are that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You know, you can't teach spiritual things with man's words. You can't teach those things with man's wisdom. But the things that are spiritual, the Holy Ghost teaches those things. And that's why, too, when we hear about these so-called movements of the Holy Ghost going on in places in Kentucky, those of us who understand spiritual things, we look at that and we say, I need know the Holy Spirit. I need you to show me a Bible verse. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Natural Man, you're not going to be able to get it. These are spiritual truths revealed to us by the Holy Ghost, and we know not to go chase after that stuff. So verse 13, 14 
It says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. So, you know, I'm not going to go to Kentucky and I'm not going to go argue with these people about spiritual truths. You know what? If I were to go to Kentucky, what I would do is I would try to preach the gospel to those people, try to get them saved. Then they're going to understand, you know, then they'll be able to, capable of learning these things. But in the meantime, they're not going to get it. Uh, they're not going to get it. Now, here's another thing that's very important to understand too. A major difference between the Old Testament and New Testament that we often take for granted and we, I, we can almost do a message just on this, but the New Testament refers to the things of the temple as carnal ordinances. And we, I don't know if you all realize, but people can understand there was, there was the obedience that they had to sacrifice animals, to do all these offerings, to build the temple, to go through all these rituals. That was real cut and dry. Here's what the Bible says. You go do this. Now, obviously, they did not understand the significance of everything that they were doing. But they were capable of being obedient to those things. And the Bible calls those things carnal ordinances. Now, we look at those things and we understand the spiritual significance of them. We understand the spiritual things that they were pointing to. We understand those sacrifices were pointing to Jesus Christ. But they didn't understand those things back then. But we absolutely get that today. And so the thing is, you know, that, that's, a, that's another important thing to understand. And one of the reasons, too, that there was no need for those things after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only did he finish those things, but those things also were very carnal things. They were carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of Reformation. And that time came. And so those things, yes, they were able to understand what they were supposed to do. They were able to understand the details of the offerings and sacrifices and things. But folks, did they understand the spiritual significance of what they were doing? No. But yet we can look back at it and we get it. And so they did, they, they did have the same salvation in the Old Testament, but they did not have the same knowledge that we do. And so again, how did they get saved? They got saved by faith. Proven in the New Testament. We're not even going to take time to go to the Scriptures. Proven in the New Testament. Paul's preaching on salvation is based off of Old Testament Scripture. Yeah, but they didn't understand that. But I, I know he revealed these truths from the Old Testament through the Holy Ghost. But Paul proves salvation is by faith through Old Testament examples. He proved that salvation was without works from Old Testament examples. From the life of Abraham. From some of the Psalms of David. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whom God imputeth righteousness without works. That was from the Old Testament. And Paul, Paul was proving that. Paul proved, uh, or the New Testament shows that the, uh, they had faith in the coming seed or Messiah. That is revealed in the New Testament. The New Te You say, I don't see that truth directly spelled out in the Old Testament. I know because they wouldn't have been able to understand it then. But we do see those truths flat out, spelled out, without a doubt, in the New Testament after the Comforter came. So the thing is, when somebody tells me they got saved by faith plus works in the Old Testament, I'm like, how can you get that? Because the Holy Spirit shows us plainly from the Old Testament and New Testament that they got saved by faith and without works. 
They got saved by faith in a coming Messiah. And we, we can't unsee that. You, you can't unsee that. And that's why, you know, I don't think it's wrong to question the salvation of people who teach that foolishness. I, I think it kind of makes sense you would question their salvation. And so, you know, what about eternal security in the Old Testament? And I definitely believe that, you know, the fact, I do believe there was eternal security in the Old Testament. I think that's something to be proven. We're not going to spend time on that, uh, using examples and things. And, you know, if people were staying saved, it's hard to say the Holy Spirit didn't play a role in that. I mean, we understand He's what saves us, keeps them saved. We don't have any examples of anyone in the Old Testament losing their salvation. But here, here's what we've got to understand too, because people will get confused about certain passages where David said, take not thine Holy Spirit from me, where this, uh, the Spirit of God departed from Saul. And one thing we don't want to confuse are special anointings that God would put on leaders like Saul and David. Don't mistake those things for soul salvation. And, and this is very important you get a hold of this because this takes us into another truth, something else that we learn, something else that the Holy Spirit brought after Pentecost. Because again, David, without a doubt, had a special anointing from the Holy Ghost on him. The priests of God, they had a special anointing on them by the Holy Ghost. They would often pour oil on people that everyone would agree is a picture of the Holy Ghost. And because of these special anointings, they had a power and authority that not everyone had. And these things that were given to them were from the Holy Ghost. We understand that Samson, even his great strength, that's something that came from the Spirit of God. Folks, you can't take the Holy Ghost out of the Old Testament. He's all over the Old Testament. Without a doubt, but it doesn't change the fact that something new from the Holy Spirit came after Pentecost. And so one was that understanding of the Scriptures, that understanding of spiritual things and enlightening that they did not have before. But this is, an exci- this, this is another one that should get us excited. But we probably don't get excited as much as we should because we don't pay enough attention to the Old Testament. But He also gives us an ability and authority to bear fruit like they didn't have before and look what it says in john 15 remember john 14 15 and 16 it's all it's all about this comforter that's going to come jesus is telling the disciples i i'm going to go away don't let your heart be troubled something's coming because i'm going away because i'm going away because i'm going to my father i'm sending you the holy ghost i'm sending you the comforter and some great things are going to, are going to come with that and he says in john 15 16 you have not chosen me but i have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. And then jump to verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning." So here's what we got to get a hold of too. While people could get people saved in the Old Testament, understand that it, it did require a certain connection to Jerusalem, to the temple, to the things of the law. We don't see any widespread soul-winning movements going on in the Old Testament, do we? I mean, in fact, even guys like Lot, who I believe God expected him to get some people saved, I mean, there weren't even 10 righteous people in the town that he was living in. Okay? And, he, and he was saved. That righteous man dwelled among them. But we don't see any great move like that. But we need to understand there is a special authority that we have today 
where it is, it is actually much easier for us to get someone saved and to make them part of the kingdom of God than it was before. You see, under the law, this is what we forget about, what we take for granted. Under the law, there were many things that you were excluded from if you weren't from the right tribe or especially if you were outside of Israel. There was a lot of things you would not be able to participate in. If you didn't practice certain ceremonial things, you would be excluded from certain events and even places of worship according to the law. You know, if you would come in a dead body, there's a lot of different things. Even a priest could be excluded from performing certain roles if he didn't do everything right. Leviticus 21.1 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say unto them, There shall none be defiled for the dead among his people. But for his kin that is near unto him, that is for his mother, for his father, for his son, for his daughter, for his brother, and for his sister a virgin that is nigh unto him, which he hath, hath no husband, for her may he be defiled. But he shall not defile himself, being a chief man among his people, to profane himself. They shall not make boldness upon their head, neither shall they shave the corner of their beard, nor make any cuttings in their flesh. They shall be holy unto their God and not profane the name of their God for the offerings of the Lord made by fire and the bread of their God they do offer. Therefore, they shall be holy. Now, we could go on and on with passages like that that were, that were very carnal. You know, that anyone could understand. You know, anybody in here, all right, we want to make sure everybody's sanctified and ready for worship today. Anybody touch a dead body, you know, in the last 24 hours, okay? Uh, you did, all right, you know, it was, you know, we have a corner in the church or something. All right, was it a near of kin? All right, you know, was it a, you know, was it a sister? Was it a wife? Or, you know, it, you know, all those rules, we can figure out those things. We can learn those things. And you know what we could also do? We could also beat each, beat each other up with those things too, which is what carnal people typically do. And what Jerusalem did all the time. We can also try to be more hardcore than everybody else, which is another thing that the Jews tried to do all the time. But understand, these laws that God gave, God meant them. They were, they were serious. That is what they had to do to sanctify themselves, to be sanctified, to be able to do the offerings, to be able to perform their function. But folks, when the Holy Ghost came, the Holy Spirit, and not sacrifices for sins keeps us in a state of sanctification so we can do the work of the Lord. See, back then, they had to do all these things to be sanctified. But today, you know, did we check to see if anybody, you know, bathed this morning before they came to church? Or did, you know, did we make anybody wash their feet before they walked in the building? I mean, we don't do any of those things, do we? You know why? Because the truth is, you're already sanctified. You know why? Because of the comforter. The, he, the Holy Ghost, that's something He brought that was not there before. The Holy Ghost brings a cleansing and a sanctification that enables us to worship the Lord, be in the presence of God. It enables us to do the work of the Lord. It gives us the ability, the power, the authority to go and bear fruit. Listen, we understand, you know, we don't, we, you know, we're not all about the titles and things. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. We believe every, every saved person you know, it has, is their own priest. And Jesus Christ, He's the only mediator. He's the high priest. But because of that, any one of you in here that are saved today, you have the ability to go out and tell whoever you want about Jesus. And you can, they can, you can help them get saved. 
to come to Jesus Christ, to come to faith, to become a part of the kingdom. And they can, they can come in this church and they can become a part of this congregation. We can baptize them without making them go through all these rituals and doing all these things. And they can become an effective servant of God, sanctified. I mean, they might be all defiled in all kinds of ways. They might have defiled themselves physically, sexually. They might be all just scarred up from sin. They might be all covered with tattoos and piercings and all these different things. They might have done all the things that it said not to do with the, uh, uh, you know, cuttings in the flesh and shaving the corners of their beard and all these things. We don't even worry about that stuff today. You know why? Because we don't have to do any of these things to be sanctified. The Holy Ghost sanctifies us. And so we are, we are, we're ready to go. We're back then. They don't have to worry about some of these things. And so this does not mean that we are just irreverent. It does not mean we just sin carelessly. In fact, Hebrews 10.26 says, for if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fire and indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. So willful sinning still means punishment, but it doesn't mean you're unsanctified. Okay? So understand, if I just go and I'm like, you know what? I'm saved. I can't lose my salvation. And so I'm just going to go do some bad sin. You know, God's going to judge me for that. But it doesn't mean I've lost my ability to get people saved. It doesn't mean I've lost my salvation. It doesn't mean I've, lo- you know, I've lost my uh, status as a child of God. I'm still all of those things why? because of the Holy Ghost. And so when he's saying, if you sin willfully, there's no more sacrifice for sins. Hey, you don't just have this ability now if you go and you do some kind of trespass to just go take a trespass offering. And there, I'm all good. No, you went and sinned willfully on purpose. God's going to punish you. Okay? you know, he's going to chasten you like a father does a son. So that's why just you know, going and saying an extra prayer, throwing an extra 20 in the offering plate, doing an extra hour of soul winning, that's not going to make up for willful sin. If you've got willful sin in your life, you better repent of it. You better get it right because God's going to deal with you because there's no sacrifice for sins. But you know what? I'm glad too that if I do commit some kind of sin you know, and I confess it, you know, and I, I, I can just confess it to God and I'm immediately sanctified. I can still keep being used of God. And how am I able to do that? Because of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost gives us that sanctification. So when you read all of those things in the Old Testament, don't just have this attitude. Well, that was for a different dispensation. No, look at those things and say, man, this shows what God expects. This helps us understand what holiness is. And what it also does is it makes me very thankful for the cross that Jesus took all those things out of the way. It makes me very thankful for the Holy Ghost who cleanses me, who sanctifies me, who gives, you know, keeps me uh, in a state where I can do all these things. And you know what? That motivates me to not want to grieve the Holy Ghost. I, I don't want to grieve the Holy Ghost. You know, th- the fact that we don't have to take a bath before we come to church isn't going to make me just never take a bath before I come to church. You know, I'm, I'm not going to see how bad I can smell and come to church because I have the liberty to do that in Christ. It, you know, that's not very respectful. But at the same time, too, you know, if I'm in a situation where I do stink, where I am dirty, I'm glad that wherever I'm at, I have the ability to go to the Lord in prayer. I can, wherever I'm at, if I, if I get a phone call, if I find out that there's something going on, that's, you know, somebody's life is on the line, Wherever I'm at, whatever state I'm in, I am already prepared to go into the presence of God because of the Holy Spirit. 
because the Holy Spirit has given me a cleansing. And so the Holy Spirit gives us a special access to God that they didn't have before. John 16.22 says, And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and ye have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly and speakest no proverb. Now, now are we sure that thou knowest all things and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, now is, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And folks, notice how Jesus said, whatever you need from the Father, you can ask. Why? Because I'm going to Him. Now, why does that matter? Well, you see, before, if you wanted to go and make an offering to God or something, you know, you had to go through the priest. And a lot of times, too, there was all these carnal warrants and things of the way. It might be very difficult. And those priests, they might not be that good of a priest. You know, what if you had a priest? Well, imagine living in Israel during the time of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. Imagine depending on those guys to do the work of the priest for you. That'd be pretty bad. But Jesus is telling them, hey, listen, folks, the office of a priest is still 100% necessary. It's just we don't have a Levitical priest anymore. We have Jesus Christ doing that work. And, because, and so because Jesus Christ has cleansed us, has made an offering for our sins, because the Holy Ghost has come and has sanctified us and cleansed us and made us where we are holy to be able to come into the presence of God, we can now go give our request to God and we have Jesus who makes intercession for us. And so we're, all, we're good, folks. Aren't you glad you don't have to go and when you have a prayer or something, you have to bring an offering here to the church, go through all these things. Just wherever you're at, you can just go and you can pray. And you can go to God and you can get a hold of God and He will hear the things you ask. Why are you able to do that? You know why you're able to do it? Because Jesus came, did all the sacrifices for sins. He went to His Father and He sent the Comforter who came and has dwelled in us, made His abode with us. He has cleansed us. And so, folks, we're, we're good. We're ready to go. You know, you know how many ceremonies we're going to do before we go out sowing today trying to get people saved? We're not going to do any ceremonies. We're not going to do any cleansing rituals. Okay? I recommend take breath mints and things like that and try not to smell. It's a bad testimony for people out there. But, it, 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 but either way, hey, you know what? The, you, you have the power of God. You know why? Because we have the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit of God. And we can get out there and we can accomplish something for God because we have a cleansing and we have an access to God. And so while we shouldn't be irreverent, when it comes to prayer, while we shouldn't be irreverent when it comes to worship, we should be comforted, though, by the fact that we are safe when we come to God. I'm not worried about what's going to happen to me, you know, if I do something a little wrong in my worship. And Hebrews 4.14 says, Seeing then that we have a high priest 
that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We don't have to be scared coming to God. You say, well, why would we be scared? Well, you've never had to experience being scared coming before God because, again, you know, when you got saved, you got the Comforter. And so He makes it so we're not scared when we come before God. But imagine living back in the Old Testament times where, again, only the Levites had certain access to God. And in Leviticus 10, we're not going to take time to go there, but when, when Nadab and Abihu didn't do the sacrifice exactly as prescribed by God, fire came from the altar and consumed them. And then Aaron, these are his sons that died. And God basically told Aaron, hold your peace. You know what? Don't you even cry. These guys sinned. These guys messed up. And God said, I'm going to be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. I, I know that didn't make him happy when he saw that. But folks, you know, we do, as Baptists, we like to argue about worship. We like to, we, you know, we like to cream the contemporary crowd. We like to cream the trendies. You know, we, we like to cream these people that are all just emotional, hand-waving, tongue-talking, all, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, and Brother Austin did a good job talking about, you know, what's going on with that Ashbury revival. But, you know, Baptists, they'll often look at a group and think because they're singing the 7-Elevens, there can't be a move of God. And again, I don't believe a move of God is happening in Kentucky. Let me just clarify that. But at the same time, too, you know, I do think when it comes to worship, it's not, uh, I, uh, you know, I do believe certain things are from the world that, you know, we ought to try to be separate. There's a lot of reasons to avoid those things. But I do think there's some people who just don't know any better, who haven't been taught right. And to the best of their ability, they are worshiping God from the heart. And you know what? If they are worshiping God from their heart, and that music's a little syncopated. You know, that music's got a little bit of extra drum in there. I don't believe God is looking at that and thinking, lightning bolts. You know why? Because that individual, even if they are, even if they just haven't been taught a lot of things, if they're a believer in Christ, if they've been saved, they have the Holy Ghost. And He sanctifies them. He cleanses them. And God is able to accept their worship even though it's not out of our Bible Truth hymn book. And I understand, we're Baptists and we've put the blessing of God upon this hymn book. And all songs outside there are just carnal of the devil you know, type stuff. And, and, you know, and I, 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 I'm, I'm being kind of funny, I kind of mean some of that stuff, but you all, you all I think, get the point. I so said, what if I sing a song that... And you know, what if some of the doctrine wasn't exactly right? Well, listen... There's been a lot of songs I've sang over the years that the doctrine wasn't exactly right. Now, when I learned the doctrine wasn't exactly right, I quit singing those songs. But I don't think God is up in heaven thinking, I'm going to have to kill that church. I'm going to destroy that church. They just, you know, sang, you know, I repented of my sins to win the victory. Uh, they're done. No. Hey, listen, if, these, if, if that's a congregation of people that have actually believed on Christ for salvation and they just not thinking about it, you know, sing that song, not, not even meaning it that way. You know what? God, because of the Holy Ghost, because you've been cleansed, because you've been sanctified, He's able to accept your worship. And some of those people are singing victory in Jesus and they are doing it from the heart and they love the Lord and they are just as saved as you and I are and they are worshiping God to the best of their ability and God is able to accept their worship. You know why? 
Because anything that we can find wrong with their worship, and we can find it, those things have been taken care of by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. They have a cleansing. They have a sanctification that comes from the Holy Ghost. And as long as they're doing these things from the heart, as long as they're not sinning willfully, they're going to be okay. And we don't... And I... I you know, I, I go to church services sometimes and they'll start singing a song I don't really know and I'll try to follow along and, and sing, sing along with that song even if I don't know it real well. And you know what I mean? What if I'm accidentally singing in a church one day and they do and there's a song which is a bad doctrinal line in there and I accidentally sing it. Am I going to fall over dead? No. You know what? I've, I've been sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So I'm not going to do it on purpose. But we do see in the Old Testament, we're not going to take time to go to the Scriptures. Remember how Aaron, he had to wear those bells around his garment. Why? Because it would make noise. And if he didn't do these things, he could die in that Holy of Holies. I mean, he could die if he didn't do these things right. We're not worrying about that today. Not because we're irreverent. Okay? We're not just going to go and turn our church service into a carnal circus. We're not going to turn it into a rock concert. We're not going to turn it into all these things to try to attract the worldly crowd. We're not going to do those things, you know, uh, you know, because we can. That's not why we're going to do those things. You know, we're, or, or we're not, and we're not avoiding those things so we won't die. Okay? We're not, we're not worrying about those things. The Holy Ghost took care of all that. And so, uh, what we shouldn't get from the fact that God took those things out of the way and sanctified us is that it's okay for us to be reverent. Don't get that from it. Don't think that it's okay to just turn this into a carnal circus. But what it should do is comfort us, knowing as long as we are doing things from the heart to the best of our ability, God is pleased. And so I do. I believe, and I'm just going to tell you this right now, and I might lose my IFB card as a result of this. I might lose some IFB credibility, credentials, whatever you want to call it. And I don't have that much left anyway. But there are probably some people right now worshiping God to the best of their ability, their ability in churches with CCM music. And you know what? God's still receiving their worship. And God's pleased. You say, how, how can that be? Well, you know what? I'll bet the Jews, I'll bet the, the Levitical priest, if we could transport them here today and say, hey, we're doing what God wants us to do now. Like, really? I mean, you people don't look like you've cleansed yourself as good as you should have. You know, you've got this problem, you've got that problem. Uh, Y'all definitely don't look like you're all Jews that are here. You know, we, you know, we've got all the, you know, there, there, you know, I, I mean, there was no cleansing, there was no foot washings, there's, you know, there's no sacrifices being made, you know, and I'll bet our music doesn't sound exactly like theirs did, you know, and, and they're, you know, they're going to see some of us, you know, that probably, you know, look like heathens, maybe have some of the marks of the old life on us. They would probably be pretty freaked out by all that kind of thing. But you know what? God is receiving us. You know why? Because the sacrifice of Jesus Christ because of the sanctification that comes from the Holy Spirit. And so God's, God's able to do that. Now, I believe that people that are, you know, in carnal churches, I believe eventually at some point in, in God's time, not my time, God will lead them away from those things. I, I believe that. I believe as people grow, God will lead them away from that carnality. But at the same time, I don't have any right to just outright condemn someone because they're, you know, involved in some things that, you know, we wouldn't exactly, you know, approve of and that we would actually agree with. I think, I think, uh, again, lose my more IFB credentials. I think there's a lot of saved people outside the IFB world. I mean, we talk to a lot of saved people 
when we're out soul winning that, I mean, profess Jesus Christ, believe the right gospel, and they go to churches that we definitely wouldn't approve of. And it's just like, you know, Lord, how can you let these people go to heaven when they're going to that, you know, that church? You know why? Because Jesus paid for all their sins. The Holy Spirit makes them able to have a relationship with God, be in the presence of God. And what we should try to do is be a good example. I believe people would be more effective if they would come to a church like ours. A lot of these people, too, that profess faith in Christ and have the right salvation, they're not out telling other people about it. Their churches aren't encouraging them to do that kind of thing. I think if they came to a church like ours, I think they would be way more useful as Christians. I think they'd be able to take advantage of one of the things that the Holy Spirit brought, and that's that authority and the ability to do the work of God. I mean, think about that, folks. All of us in here, I mean, as far as I know, none of us are from the tribe of Levi. The Jews today, with the name like Kohan or Kohen, things like that, they all claim to be like the most purebred Jews from the tribe of Levi. You know, that, that's, that's what they all claim. And we don't have any Kohans or Kohans here right now. But at the same time, too, I know that every one of you in here, if you're saved and you have the Holy Ghost, you are qualified to do the work of the Lord. You are, you're able to, in fact, you're able to do it on a level those priests couldn't do it before. You're able to do these things without all these ceremonies and washings and all that, and you are able to be effective. Why? The Holy Ghost. Because Jesus sent the Comforter and He has empowered us. And that is why greater works have been done. A lot more people have been saved since Christ left than got saved while He was on earth. During those three years, there were a lot of people that got saved, but a lot more people got saved after He left. Why is that? Because He sent the Comforter and He indwelled the believer and Jesus ordained that those believers go and bring fruit Fruit, we have an authority that they didn't have before, an ability to do a work, and we shouldn't take that for granted. We should be excited about that. And when you and I, when we read these stories in the Old Testament about all these things that they had to go through, it ought to just say, praise the Lord, thank you for sending that comforter. Thank you that I don't have to worry about dying while I'm doing these things. That I can, I know that the work that I do, you will receive if I do it to the best of my ability, and you can bless it. And God can use us, folks. God can use us in a great way because of the Holy Ghost. God couldn't use Nadab and Abihu with their strange fire. But God can use us. God can use us today. Why? Because of the Holy Ghost. And so this is a very important thing for Christians to understand because it does help us clear up a lot of the difficult scriptures that people often end up resting to their own destruction. But it also helps us understand why it's so important to study the Old Testament. Nothing that Jesus taught about the Holy Ghost will really make any sense to us if we, you know, if we didn't have the Old Testament because we were never under those things. So in chapter 14, 15, and 16, as Jesus is describing these things, this is stuff that would have been very relevant to them during that time who used to have to worry about these things. We don't have that today. So we often take that for granted. And then you have some people you know, that have rightfully abandoned dispensationalism who go a little too far and they even act like they had the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament like we have it today. And, and I believe they had the Holy Ghost, but not like we have today. Without a doubt, something came at Pentecost that was not there before. And what came at Pen Pentecost? We don't even see a great move of God happening after the resurrection of Jesus. We don't see it until Pentecost when they are all filled with the Holy Ghost and then 3,000 people saved. Just like that. Why? 
Holy, that, that's something new. That was a new authority that they had. And so this helps us understand why we are able to claim the promises too that were given to Israel under the law and why we will get them and they won't. See, that, that's, that's the other thing too because it's like when people say today, well, no, there's these things that belong to Israel. Well, why does it belong to them? They've all disqualified themselves. And then they'll look at us. Well, you're not a Jew. Uh, but the things that disqualified, but the thing is, the law disqualified them. The Holy Spirit has qualified me. And so when you understand all these things, we understand why God removed those things and replaced it with what we have today. And so, yeah, I, I do have claim on those things. Oh, you've never, you know, were you circumcised on the eighth day? Uh, no, but Jesus was. You know, well, did you offer this sacrifice? Did you do this? Did you do that? No, but Jesus did all those things. And then he gave me his comforter. He gave me the Holy Spirit that all those things that the law separated me from, those that, that middle wall of partition that was built that kept me as a Gentile from the things of God has been broken down. And now I am able to be a fellow citizen with the saints, uh, with the commonwealth of Israel. I am no longer a stranger and a foreigner to the covenants and the promises. I'm a recipient of those things. And yes, you can go to the Old Testament and show me all kinds of things that disqualify me, but then I can go to the New Testament and show you Jesus Christ and what He did and then the Holy Ghost that He gave and then how I'm now qualified by those things. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is what the Holy Spirit brought in the New Testament. And we ought to thank God for that. We should not be irreverent because of that. We should be thankful for it. And you know what? I hope today when you go out and you you tell somebody about Jesus, I hope I hope it gives you a feeling of power and authority. Some of you, if the if the city police handed you a badge, just that a metal badge, a gold star or whatever, man, I mean, how many would like a feeling of power? Just go and show people. It'd make you feel pretty good, wouldn't it? You'd feel so powerful because you had that badge. And especially if it was legit too. Well, you know what, folks? We have something that gives us way more power than a badge. We have something that gives us way more power than any city official can give you. We have the Holy Ghost. And so we can go out there today and we can change someone's eternal destination. We can help. We, even though we're not priests, we can help these people get sanctified to where they will be acceptable to God and will be able to have access to God, have a relationship with God. That's... That's a lot of power, folks. That's a lot of power, and we have it today because of the comforter that Jesus Christ sent. So with that, let's pray to your Lord. Thank you so much for sending us that comforter. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you know we will not take for granted that ability, that power, that access uh, that we have that you've given us. And I pray this message will just uh, remind us of what you had to do so we could be saved and so we could tell others. And I pray, Lord, that we'll just have an attitude of thankfulness and appreciation for it. And that by all means, we will uh, use this ability and we will do exactly what you ordained us to do to go and bring forth fruit. And in your name we pray. Amen.